Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love your ministry. We pull up to the table tonight and we just give you our hearts and we, and we just say, teach us, make our hearts pliable. We are the clay and you are the potter. And so, God, we just pray that this is a culture of healthy marriage, that this is a culture, God, of healthy relationships, healthy parenting, oh God. And we just cry out, God, show us your ways. And God, we just say that we are good soil. And God, we love to obey you, God. There is no better satisfaction in this life than you. So we bless Chuck and Ashley. And we pray that as they are here tonight, that they deeply feel the love of the Father in this place and the love of the body of Christ, God, because we appreciate them. All that they have sown into in the 15 years of their marriage, God, we appreciate it, oh God, and we honor what you're doing in them. We honor them, God. And we just ask you, God, to just use them mightily in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, sorry. I thought. No, we're good. I'm good. I'm good. So starting off with the topic, keeping the marriage holy. If you want to have a good sex life, it doesn't start in the kitchen. You probably heard that it starts in the kitchen, but the thing is, okay, you ready for a little bit of a Jesus juke? And actually, it starts in prayer, Ashley. Thank you for that. So if you think about <laughs> it, okay, we're not trying to Jesus juke you or anything, but you've heard that phrase, like if you want to have a good sex life, it starts in the kitchen. I want you to think about that phrase. What's meant when you hear that? Make sure you do the dishes, right? Because it's related. It's mm-hmm. all of these things coming together. And we think sometimes we can just separate it to just the bedroom. It should be fine. We just push all these other things out. But in the same way that we can't, you know, forget about the dishes, if we have not prayed about our sex life, if we haven't prayed about our marriage and our relationship and these intimate parts, if we can't bring God into that part of our relationship, then it's not going to be blessed. If we haven't brought God into our sex life, then we're allowing a room for the enemy to be in the middle of our sex life. And we know from our culture that there's so much that can rob us of joy in that relationship. So though it can feel kind of weird, you're like, what? We pray about that? Yeah. We're going to dive into some of that in just a little bit, but just process and try to start thinking about it. Like, huh, how comfortable do I feel? Like maybe you even felt really uncomfortable. Like I did a little bit whenever the first sentence that I said had, had the S-E-X word, right? Like, oh, we shouldn't talk about that. Like in church. And I do believe that that's part of the problem that we feel so taboo about talking about something that God made. Because so many people talk about it inappropriately. And so I want to challenge you to just ask God to help you to think in a healthy and a holy way about sexuality. And if we had a goal for tonight, that's what we would have, is Mm -hmm. that we would be able to join those worlds just a little bit more. Because like you said, if we have a certain area of our life that we say, well, God doesn't care about that. He's not interested in that. We know that's not right, but we still have areas of our life, especially with sexuality, that we think, I don't bring God into that. Yeah. We find a lot of blessing when we do. And so just to give you a framework of where we're going, we're going to introduce ourselves, talk a little bit about us, and in just a minute we're going to have you guys talk to a couple people around you because we want some interaction. And then we're going to go through and we'll do some teaching and we'll kind of go back and forth. We'll talk about some, some struggles with sexuality in the world and what we see and kind of where that comes from. And then we're going to unpack some scripture. And then at the end we'll have a little bit of discussion time. So it kind of gives you a framework for where we're going. But 
We are Chuck and Ashley, as you have gotten to see and as Lori has introduced. And so we are so excited about some of the things that God has opened up for us. And so if you saw the sign out there, this was the first time that we got to put the sign up. And so we had to get a picture because it is exciting, but it's also new territory for us. It's our first book and we're publishing with Baker. It's a Christian publisher. Their imprint is Ravel. So we're thankful and we're honored that the Lord has opened up this opportunity. A little bit intimidated by it. I heard a couple that Kathy said, oh my goodness, and Chuck and Ashley. And they're like, yeah, I kind of feel that way too. So I appreciate that we get to like have a safe place where we can put our sign up for the first time, mm-hmm. where we are able to like walk into this calling and we, we do it humbly. We do it a little bit scared, but we also do it in the confidence that the Lord has put these things in our heart and in our path and we want to walk in it. So so we want to get them talking a little yes. bit, right? So what we'd like you to do is you're going to get with a group of three people and you're going to find something that you have in common, okay? Find something that you have in common. Try to be interesting. Don't say, well, we're all in the same room right now, okay? Don't go, the bar is not that low. It's a little bit higher than that, okay, for you clever ones out there. So, find three people and find something that you have in common. And make sure you exchange names. So if you ah, don't know someone, well. this is a great opportunity to get up and move. If you want to just turn to the people around you, that's fine too. But find something in common between the three of you. And if it's a group of four or two, that's fine. Somebody tell me something interesting that you found you had in common for one of the little groups here. Something interesting. Enjoy playing games. Family games. That's really good. That's really good. Well, we are going to talk a little bit about relationships. And to give you a little bit of background about Ashley and I, um, Ashley and I actually got married in this church right here 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, Heard a little bit about how we're related. And if you see that picture up in the top right, that was me sitting literally right here playing a drum a long time ago. So we have a lot of memories, a lot of uh, history that we get to be here, and this journey that's taken us to this point. Some of the other pictures are from us dating. We were at Lee University, that's where we met, and Chuck got his bachelor's in psychology there, and I was finishing up my master's in counseling there. And if you see the the ugly little door over there off to the left, uh, we had to say goodbye at that door over and over again. So that's we were so thankful yeah. whenever we look at that picture, like, oh, we don't have to say goodbye to each other anymore. And that was that was a hard time, a what? hard season. If you guys remember that, those of you who are married, it's hard to say goodnight and to say goodbye. And so we, we looked look back fondly on our memories of being at Lee and being here and those early years in marriage. But along the way, after we were married for a few years, we, we had some boys. We ha- I have four brothers and we have three boys. So we've got lots of boy energy in our family. And we love So there's Mountain lots Bike. of things in our house that are broken and it's very loud. <laughs> Dents in the wall. That's pretty much that's what it is. Yes, yes, yeah, lots sure. of those things. Lots of people to wrestle with. Yes. As I'm sure that you just, that's your favorite part. For sure. Yeah. So we, we enjoy doing all those things, including wrestling and listening to to the wrestling whenever I'm downstairs and they're upstairs. It's just so much fun. You feel like the house is going to fall in. But but we do have a lot of fun as a family. We try to spend a lot of time together and communicate. And as we're talking about sexuality, you know, I want you thinking about your family. Like, what, what did we talk about, about sex? Like, in our family, for us, we've had some very interesting conversations from curious boys. Mm-hmm. Literally, it was today. Emerson said, 
when are you going to tell me how babies come out? And I'm like, when you're older. And he's like, okay. And then just walks away, right? He's four, and that answer works pretty well when he's four. Yeah. <laughs> but we got asked that question by one of our older boys for quite a while. I mean, and, and we would tell him that, and he would just be so curious. And then finally, you know, we get to where they're old enough to have these conversations. And, and it's a hard thing to decide, you mm -hmm. know, how to raise a family and to do it all the right ways. Because I don't know if you've read the scripture enough to know, but every single answer literally doesn't pop off like, oh, whenever your four-year-old comes into your room, you know, God does provide the answer. He gives us wisdom, mm -hmm. but it isn't literally off the page that we are seeing on this day, do this. And so we have to have that relationship with God Absolutely. in order to really do it well. Well, and I like what Lori said, having a culture of healthy marriages. And you want to have a culture in your family of having a healthy view of sex, a healthy view of sexuality. I don't know if you've noticed or paid attention to anything in the news uh, lately, but there's a lot of things that can confuse you about healthy sexuality. Mm. What does God have to say about that? What does it really mean to honor God with relationships? And if we aren't intentional about putting good content, good information, biblically solid sexual education into our kiddos, then they're going to learn it all kinds of other places. Right. If you're like me, maybe you just learn things from your friends. I can tell you I had a lot of things to unlearn and unhear based on what I heard from my friends. I hear things from my boys, and I'm so grateful you talking about that, that they come to us instead of just sorting things out and their sex ed is from what they hear and see from their friends at school. It's something that really, really matters, and we're missing out if we don't integrate our faith into this topic. Yeah. And so in our parenting journey, we had our two boys and then we actually faced recurrent miscarriage. And so we lost several babies and it was really difficult in our journey. And then we fa finally had Emerson and that's really condensing the story. Um, there will be quite a bit in our book where we can unpack pieces of our story and a little bit of the journey with Emerson. But the goal, the goal is not to, to talk a lot about loss tonight, but we want to just kind of frame up how, you know, our relationship has come to be and the threads that, that have come from it. And so it's been hard. We've faced a lot of trauma and such just through some of the different journeys, the stories, and we, we won't be able to get into all of it, but we'll get mm -hmm. into a little bit more there. But we decided a few years ago, we took a year off after Emerson was born, like we're going to celebrate him for a year. And then we said, we want to create some resources. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but we decided we were going to turn our living room into a video studio and we're going to just donate money. Like we donate to all kinds of causes over the course of our life. We're like, hey, we're going to donate to us this time. We're going to donate $800 to hire a friend who lives and he's going to record us doing this video series. And so the first one that we recorded was called Love and Loss, and it does kind of set up the framework for our book. Now, this is a mock-up. It's not the actual book. They're not for sale yet. It doesn't count to August, but it gives us the view of what the cover looks like. But the goal... The goal for us was to help people whenever they face loss because we know it was a lonely season and we felt isolated and we felt like that was like the way of coping. Mm -hmm. And so we struggled there and, and we saw, oh, there's not a lot of people talking about grief. There's not a lot of people talking about these relational struggles that come in our relationships. And so we started, we started with the, the video series and we're like, okay, we're going to, we're just going to take that money and we're going to use it for the next thing. And so we had Right Now Media pick up our, our video series and we're like, awesome okay, we're going to do another one. And then the picture here on the left side is when we were recording why people leave. And 
And then Rhino Media picked up that one as well. And then we've moved on to the book. And so we've just tried to use the door that opened, like, hey, knock on this door. Like, hey, we have this. Do you have any interest in having a conversation? And the Lord has opened up doors. And so the things on the right, those are free resources from Uversion. So we were able Mm -hmm. to be Uversion contributors. And so we've just been thankful as we've gone through struggles and we've gone to the Lord and said, okay, how can I use this to help other people? That the Lord has opened up some doors. and, And we've done a lot of knocking too. So I don't say that to just say like I sat at home I realized that one day I was you like just I, wait and things show up right I feel called to do a book and so I'm like walking around a conference center they have this expo center and I'm like Lord I feel like I'm closer than I've ever been like to all these people who actually are making these things happen and so one year we had a conversation and then two years later we went to the conference again and then we had another conversation and it just took a lot of years and finally this is where this is where we are and so we, we kind of say all those things to just tell you a little bit about ourselves and our journey as we're, we're going through, you know, setting up talking about this topic. And so we believe that our relationships are so important. So we're going to talk to you about sex tonight, but really it's the relationship as mm-hmm. a whole and our relationship with God. We want to bring God into every part of our relationship. And we see that's how you can overcome every hurdle that, that we face. Something that Ashley and I often say is we want to have better than average relationships. Do you know what average relationships are? They're not very good. Yeah. Depressed. Depressed. Broke. Broke. Overweight. That's a lot of average. A lot of average relationships, unfortunately, end in divorce. If you look in the workplace, average workplaces, people are unhappy and turnover rates are high. So if you just go for the bare minimum and say, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, that isn't really fine, is it? See, God calls us to be above average, to have the conversations that people aren't having to lead the way to actually show people what does it look like to be healthy in this area because we have the authority on it. We have the Bible. We have God's Word. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us to guide us in all of these difficult sometimes topics. So we want to make sure that we integrate those things. Yeah. So we want to keep the marriage bed holy. So how do we do this? We talked about prayer, Mm -hmm. but it's not just, okay, we pray about sex one time and then everything is better right? We want to integrate God into every area of our marriage and pray about it and know that it is very connected to our relationship with God. So why might it be so difficult for people to pray about sex? So you guys can say some answers. There can be some reasons that are maybe some of them are obvious. Some of them are a little bit less obvious, um, but there's a lot of different things that might make it difficult. I think culture, anything? It's awkward. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for breaking the silence and being the first one. You just broke some of the awkward down just then. Yeah. I appreciate it. Okay. So it can be, it can be awkward. And what our culture says can be very different than what we would pray about. Right. We're not like, Oh Lord, what I just saw in that movie. Thank you for that. Right. That would be weird. That would be inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Probably most of the time because too many people watch things that they shouldn't in movies. And so we don't, we're not praying about what we see being a good thing. We're saying, Lord, what I see is not what I want. Lord, help me to navigate this world. Like we're raising kids and we're like, Lord, at some point they're going to be out on their own. I can't just keep them locked in this cage. How do I really make sure I'm having the right conversations Mm -hmm. so that they think in a way that honors you so that they're not trying to run away and hide and sneak and look at something. And the way that we handle things in culture, sometimes even within Christianity, within the church, and you probably experienced this and felt some things leaning this way, it's almost like we shouldn't talk about sex. 
Because if you're telling people, okay, before you're married, you shouldn't, and it can be very easy for this culture of shame to be created. So wait a second, you're not, not supposed to have sex, and then like you get married, and something that was bad is no longer bad? That's a big shift to take in your mind, isn't it? Something you're supposed to avoid. So if I tell you, don't look over there, don't look over there, it's bad, it's sin, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, and then you get married, like, go for it! It's a little bit confusing, isn't it? So the way that we frame things in our home, the way that we frame things in our conversations in our marriage can be really impactful on how healthy of a sexual relationship that we have. So if you think about how many conversations you've had with people about sex that you haven't felt shameful about. Like, oh, Mm. have I had very many? Because a lot of times if we're talking about sex, it's right? Or even if we're talking with a counselor or talking with a pastor or something, it feels like it, we've gotten to our last leg to where we're going to we're gonna finally have to talk to somebody about yeah. it. And it can feel very difficult. But what I see in the counseling office is that people are liberated by bringing from darkness to the light. And they say, this is the first time I've ever told anyone. And I say, and I want between now and next week you to think of everything you've ever not told that you need to tell that they might then later feel that they feel like is a break in trust and try to make sure that we've got it all out there. And like, oh. But when they do, and we pray about it, there is liberty, there is freedom. Because when we think about sex, so often there's so much shame because that's the first encounter with sexuality that we have. Even if it's a a boyfriend or girlfriend and it's not sex, it's this like, oh, we hide that from parents. Oh, we hide that from people. And then, oh, we're dating and it's difficult. And so we hide that from people. And so if we practice bringing God into it, it will help us tremendously as we're trying to to fight this fight. And so we're mm-hmm. going gonna to unpack some of those things a little bit more in a minute as well. But let's think about what it was like for Adam and Eve. So talking about this shame, it says, in the beginning... Mm-hmm. See, and the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. They weren't ashamed. Right. Doesn't that sound like God's design for the way that things were supposed to be? If you look at the world today, you can see how there's so many things that are broken. It's like God's design was perfect and then sin entered the world and so many things have been corrupted. This as well, our sexuality. And it's like, wait a second. I'm supposed to not be ashamed about this topic because God created it. And you know, if He wouldn't have created it, you, you guys wouldn't all be here today. You know that, right? So you have to have that. It's necessary. But what a targeted thing in our culture today to corrupt. Yeah. To corrupt and to mess up. Because it impacts so many things in our lives. I think it's almost beyond our comprehension to really even think about what it would be like to be naked and unashamed. So to be with our spouse even and have this godly sexuality, it's almost beyond our comprehension. But we have scripture for that, right? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it's not unreasonable for us to think that God, the creator of this world, has created something that has been tainted. And if we think it through, we can say, no, I do know that there are things that God have that are better in store for my life and even my thinking in regard to my relationship Mm -hmm. with my spouse, to relationship of what God godly sexuality would look like. But there's a lot of reasons for sexual confusion. So we're going to unpack five of them. And I want you to just think, you know, first you'll get a few in your mind. And some of them are titled real similarly to maybe how you would come up with them. And a couple of them you might feel like, oh, interesting, right? So just throwing that out there. But think about it, like culturally, what are some reasons why people might be confused? And you could have already thought of several of these. It's like, why is it that it got so messed up? 
And it seems like something that we can't talk about. So we're going to talk about some of those things. If you think about how you were brought up, because there was a time in your life that you were first exposed to, brought up to the conversation of sex. Like, do you remember what that was like? Did you just have to figure things out on your own, more like we talked about? And that really has to do with your upbringing. How were how you, you brought up? With your parents, was it just never talked about it? Was it something that was maybe talked about too much? Maybe you got a little bit too much information because you were around when something was going on and you shouldn't have known something was going on. <laughs> and then you might have another whole level of sexual confusion. A whole another level of sexual confusion, right? right? So the way that we're brought up, the things that are modeled towards us, modeled for us, have such an impact on this. Now, even if, as we go through some of these reasons for the confusion, I want you to know that it's not to condemn any of us, and you can make a switch and you can make a change about the way that you have conversations, the way that your home is, even if you're past the stage of raising kids at that level. You can still make a shift and have a healthier viewpoint of what sexuality is, because you're going to have an impact on the people around you. So at any point in this, you can still do something. Okay. Now, the next one is having strong Christian values. Okay, now, how can having strong Christian values mess you up? Because it's a good thing, right? That's a good question. Uh, so just bear with me. It can be really difficult. Like Chuck said, don't look at the door, don't look at the door. And then, okay, there's the door, look at it, right? If we are taught, you know, like, don't have sex, don't have sex, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Then we start to think it's a bad thing. And then at some point, you're supposed to switch and think it's a good thing. Like, I can't just make that switch that easily, right? So for us with our kids, we have taught them, like, sex is a gift. It is a blessing. It is a good thing. It is not something to be played with. It is something to be saved for marriage. And that switch mm -hmm. to say, like, it is a good thing. It is a blessing. Takes a little bit of that, like, desire to be secrecy, secretive with their friends. And hunt. I know some of that is still going to happen because kids are kids. But when you frame it in the right way, that does, it does take a little bit of the edge off and help break some of the confusion. But even I, I myself, I read several books and I was like, I want to save myself for marriage. And then we started dating and I'm mm -hmm. like, I really like you. And so it became difficult. And so then I felt shame. And whenever I felt shame, I didn't know what, I, what to do with it. I'm like, ah, I don't really want to go to God. But we did. Like we prayed about it. And I remember like sitting in my apartment and going, okay, well, we can't go to your apartment we can't do this, right? We had these Christian values, but there was still messiness when we got married. Absolutely. Anything that then we had done when we were dating, like we didn't have sex until we were married, but then the things that we did do, then those became the shame items that were like, oh, now I, I don't even want to do that. And so there's just a whole mess of things that we had to pray through. We had to bring God into and say, God, make, make this thing that's supposed to be holy, mm -hmm better because it's not feeling very holy. And so we say that to share with you that most people, they're going to have some sort of sexual confusion, something that they're like, hmm, I thought that it was going to be this way. And it was really quite different than what I thought. And because when we face unmet expectations, we decide that we're going to get mad about it and treat it our own, take it care mm -hmm. of it in our own way, we can then be led to sin. And so we don't want to let that shame eat us away. We want to take it to God. Well, that makes me think of, have you ever noticed that sometimes we don't want to tell people when we're really struggling? Whether it be with money, whether it be with our mental health, in our family, in relationships. And strong Christian values are great, but if you have a culture that you feel like you can't share something, that can be really difficult. See, I didn't grow up in church, and I didn't have the healthy sexuality uh, really modeled for me. And before Ashley and I got married, I struggled looking at pornography. 
and it almost wrecked our relationship, and I'm really grateful that she still married me. Because finding out about that just a few months before we're going to get married was really traumatic. And I wish I could say that we don't still deal with some of the repercussions of that, but we do, because you have a major break in trust, and it comes out. So you can still have that shame and that guilt that's associated with those things that you've done in the past, even if you're working really hard to make sure that you're a person of integrity. So the culture that you have, you have to make sure that you're being transparent about the things that you're struggling with. Because you can continue to work on those. Yeah. And so as you see, we can grow up with Christian values. And even then, we can still have some confusion that comes. So looking at another one, this is one that's unfortunately far too common in mm -hmm. our world. Well, too many people um, have been abused in some kind of sexual way. Even if they weren't necessarily abused, they've had a sibling or they saw sexual abuse that was going on or physical abuse in a marriage because it was going on in their home or with their parents. And that can skew your viewpoint of what does it mean to have a healthy sexual relationship. And so we know in Scripture that God gives us you know, instruction that this is not God's will. And so we're going to unpack some Scripture in a little bit, but I want to go ahead and insert one Scripture here. This is from 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-4. through 4, And it says, God's will for you is to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. And so when we look at our own skewed view, you know, maybe we've been subjected to some things that we shouldn't have, whether that was you know, family members showing us or looking at things inappropriately and we accidentally see it on their computer or on their TV or if it were that we actually had physical actions happen to us. Sometimes even sexual abuse happens within a marriage. It can be even all kinds of forms mm -hmm. of, of abuse from people asking individuals to do things that are outside of their comfort zone or it could be that you know maybe even heard of women using the, um, yes, I am on the pill and I'm not because they want to get pregnant, right? Different things like that. There can be different lay layers and levels so of abusive or manipulative behavior in the relationship. And that can greatly impact our view of sexuality and can help us to want to build a bunch of walls so that we keep the pain out. We try to protect ourselves instead of allowing God to be our protection. But God says his will is for us to be holy. And so if you stay away from all sexual sin and you stay away from all sexual sin and you stay in like and if we all see that we're the you and we all obey then the world becomes pretty close to perfect right because if we all avoid sin but the struggle is we keep we keep running into it so we can see that god's way is perfect his will is holiness and we just have to keep running after that and bringing him into the middle of it as you said that think about if people followed god's design and I'm not saying that I've done this perfectly, obviously, but think about if you don't have sex with anybody else until you're married. Okay? What does that do? God's plan, God's way is just perfect. Think about the elimination of STDs. Just in that. Right? Think about those things. Think about the different types of sicknesses and things that are caused based on just that alone. God's way really is perfect. Yeah. Okay, we have two more to get through. The next one is childbearing. 
who, if anybody, raise your hand in here if you have children, whether they're adopted or you have children. Okay, so you remember those sleepless nights, those times whenever you really couldn't even hardly think straight because all you want to do is get a little bit of sleep and it's interrupted, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can have this thing that created the kid. If you were the one that um, bared the kid, if you were the mom of the kid, you're like, oh, I I got to experience the, the beauty of God's union, yet then you are so tired that it becomes almost like a terrible thing. Like, get away from me. That's not happening. Don't address yeah. Don't. We are not. I don't want another kid. I don't. I'm tired. I don't have time for anything. And we can kind of get some negative thoughts about it or we could just feel tired and like we're not interested. Mm-hmm. And, and so there can be a lot that ends up making us feel just confused or in a negative space, maybe even with sexuality. Well, and the childbearing as well, part of our story, experiencing recurrent miscarriage, yeah. you can have so much that's connected to sex. So if you, if you think about, okay, well, since we've experienced trauma in that area and just knowing that everything that we do is associated with that when it comes to our sexual relationship, it can almost feel like, well, that's a scary topic. And you can just feel like that feels unsafe because part of the like, worst days of our lives is when we lost babies. So you see how things can get really muddled and can mm-hmm. be really difficult in that area if you're not careful and you don't think, okay, God, what's your design for this? What does it mean for us to look at this through your lens? And there's been times that I literally have been in a negative space and I think I've said to him, oh yeah, we're going to abstain forever. Sorry. And it's out of my trauma. And I go, okay, like I don't really mean that, but I do feel that at a core level. Sometimes whenever I think of that, like I never want to go through that trauma again. And I have a way that I can stay away from that. Mm-hmm. You know, in my emotion, that's how I feel. And so I have to bring God into that and I have to do the work and I have to communicate through it and admit and like go back and say, this was a really hard season. And Lord, I need your healing because mm-hmm. of that. And doing that work helps then free up some of the confusion because we use God's truth to remind us who we are when we feel confused. If you've experienced trauma yourself or worked with somebody who's experienced trauma, you know that a lot of times we want to feel like we're taking back some of the power and control. And it's the same way. If you've had sexual abuse in your life, you want to feel like you're taking back some of that control and some of that power because someone stole that from you. And you want to think about how do I make these barriers, how do I make these walls, and the same thing with miscarriage. If we've experienced something traumatic, it's like what's the safest way to avoid feeling hurt ever again? And it's appropriate to think, okay, I want to be smart and I want to be wise with my sexual relationships. But when we do something that we make the barrier so far around us that we shut ourselves off from relationships and God because we don't want to let anybody into that area, then that's getting into something that's really harmful to us. All right, one more. Have you uh, heard any fake news possibly about sexuality today? (laughs) My goodness. It can be exhausting, can't it? To just feel like you're on a roller coaster of what's acceptable and we love people and we we want people to come to know Jesus and we want people to know God. We want people to be involved in this. And it's like, how do we have these conversations? How do we do this? But the culture that we live in can just be so dangerous. I heard somebody in an interview the other day say that a 12-year-old boy can see more unclothed women in 15 minutes than an ancient king could in his entire lifetime. Think about that. The amount of power that you have just within this to wreck your life or somebody else's life is crazy. I am so grateful that I didn't grow up in high school at a time with social media 
the way that it is today. And I, I know that when we, when we say this, and I'm not going to get off too much here, but it really is different the way that kids have to fight sexuality today. Because we can say, well, I was in high school too, I was in middle school too, yes. Um, but I work with high schoolers a lot, and I can tell you it's different. It's different, the stuff that they have to combat. And all the things that are coming against them, when I work with high school guys, that I, have, I ask them, it's like, so what do you regret about uh, maybe when you were in middle school or early years of high school? And they say, getting a phone. Like, high, senior boys in high school tell me to pretty much wait as long as possible to get my son's cell phones because they know what it did to them. You have all kinds of sources just coming in trying to convince you of something to get your money, to manipulate you, to control you. And that's why you have to be on the offensive to do something about it. But we know that sexual confusion is not from God. So we have all of these things. If we go back for just a second, you have all of these things mm-hmm. that make us feel confused at times, or we have dissonance is a word that's, you have these conflicting thoughts. We have sexual dissonance. We don't, our thoughts, our ideas don't line up with what we're experiencing in life. And so we have this conflict that we're experiencing and we can say that doesn't come from God. And so whenever we have the, the feelings and the emotions and the, I don't want to, and I don't want to talk about it and I'm never going to, and all of that stuff, if we learn to to pray and bring God into that conversation and go, hmm, I'm going to be curious about this, Lord. Where's this coming from? Has something happened? Am I just in a bad mood? Like, what's going on? I'm like, am I in a bad mood for three months? Okay, we need to have a conversation. Like, I don't know. And, and sure. seek out how the Lord can show you what's going on because God is not a God of confusion and he doesn't want these things in our life. So, before we unpack a few more scriptures, I'll just give you a, a chat break. So turn to one another. You can turn to a couple people if you want beside you. And if you can think of any stories in the Bible where sexuality is talked about, whether someone fails or it's a, a prescriptive thing, but if you want to share a time that you can remember if there's a scripture about it or something. And so we'll, we'll just give you a chance to think about that. If you can't think about it, then you can just, um, just say hi for a second. Sex yeah. talk in the Bible. Go for it. Go. <laughs> Some people might think that there's not a lot of prescription about sex in the Bible. And maybe even you thought about people who had concubines or people who had multiple wives or different things in Scripture. And so we can almost think that God might be okay with some of these things. I think especially if we're in a negative space thinking, oh, life hasn't happened how I want. Like God doesn't tell us. I'm just going to go and do whatever I want. But a thing that I um, noticed recently, and I've picked up on it somewhat, but there was a really good article in Christianity today that talked about sexuality and they said you can look at the lineage and you can see down the line where people uh, followed God's way and then where they didn't and where there was sexual dysfunction and you can see a blessing on the nation Mm. and I think sometimes we think we're getting away with it and we have to remember that God says he his spirit he goes and he watches over his people and he sees the people and he blesses those who are godly and the ungodly alike and so we know that God does keep an eye on us. And so if we're acting justly and with integrity within our homes, then God sees that. Something that that brings up is you see this over and over again in Scripture. Just because God is being patient doesn't mean that he's giving you permission. And we can sometimes confuse that. 
Because I can tell you, you can get away with a lot of things a couple times. But there's a price to pay eventually. And he's not out to get you. He loves you incredibly, beyond anything we can possibly imagine. Mm. And he wants us to come to him over and over again. You read pages of scripture. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him. No matter what we've done, no matter what's going on. But we can get confused because he's being patient with us. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't see. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care. But it means he's being patient because he loves us. And we know that Adam and Eve, when they were naked, they were naked and they weren't ashamed. Ashamed. And we know from each of those areas of confusion, there's a lot of Good shame. Good job. I appreciate that. There's a, well there's a lot of shame that gets wrapped into our view of sexuality. And so we want to remember that. That's another takeaway to say, like, God, you're not a God of shame. Like, you didn't desire that I would do these things and that shame would be piled on. You want repentance and mm-hmm. you give forgiveness. And then you will help show us the way. He wants our hearts. Yeah. So what is God's way for sexuality? There's this one, one good verse. There's a lot of verses, but one just to kind of start us off. But We had to include some Song of Solomon. Here. Yes, yes. Yeah. God wants us to have a good sex life. He wants us to be connected with each other. He, mm-hmm. he desires, as me and my husband, to enjoy kissing, right? And it doesn't always, we, we think, oh, God wants us to fast and to pray and to do all the things that might sometimes slip our mind if we're having a lot of fun playing a video game or mountain biking or whatever it is that we do. But God wants the good things. God wants the things. He wants mm-hmm. food to taste good, right? God made these delicious these fruits and enjoy. vegetables. Yes. Yeah. And so God wants a lot of the things that we, that we want. So just remembering that as we read scripture, that his love, that love is better than wine. You know, better than all the things that people turn to. I think that's a curious verse because there's a lot of people that if they're thinking like what's between them and their marriage, especially in counseling, I see this alcohol is between them and their marriage. And the the person is saying, I really want to stop, but I just can't handle life. And then they're continuing to choose a drink Mm. over their spouse. And they say, I'm sorry, I just can't. But when they take the drink, they're choosing, they're choosing alcohol over their spouse. And so your love is better than wine. Your love is, is better than anything that I could use as an escape. And we know ultimately God's love is better than any, any human love that we, that we have. And so this is the key verse coming up this is a great one. For this night. Okay, so keeping our marriage bed holy. Hebrews 13, 4, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. God, and God loves yeah. that we keep this holy, that we really honor this because he sees it being connected to so many areas of our life. You read the scripture in James talking about controlling the tongue, and that controls so many things. Think about if you had your sexual thoughts and your sexual desires in check and in line with what God would desire. How powerful would that be? How powerful would that be? Because I know that working with men for years now, that it's something they feel controlled by. It's something they almost feel a victim of. That it's like, I'm, this is just the way that guys are, and I have to constantly fight to not give in to this and not give in to this. And it feels like something that is a constant battle. But I question, what is it that we're looking at? Are we looking at not messing up so we don't feel bad about ourselves, or are we looking to Jesus? Because when we think about this, it can be easy to think, well, I just want to reduce the bad things that I'm doing sexually. I want to reduce the temptation. I want to reduce the ways that I seem like I'm behaving in an addictive behavior. Or am I trying to increase how much am I really loving Jesus? How much am I chasing after him? How much am I chasing after holiness? How much am I saying, God, what do you want for this? 
Sometimes we get in the trap of just thinking that I'm trying to reduce the bad and that will make me holy. That's not the Gospel. It's not. So how is it that we view this and God, I want you holy in these parts of my life. And show me and teach me what it looks like. Teach me what filter I need to have for sexuality. And that's so much more powerful. And if we know that God wants to be in our lives, in all things, and he says he wants us to keep our marriage bed holy, then he wants to be in the middle of our sexuality. Mm-hmm. And that still might feel so foreign. You're like, okay, I'm going to pray about sex. Yeah. Like, what does that actually look like? That, that feels so wrong. But it's because of the view that we have, the confusion that we have about sexuality, that it was originally not something to be shared with God. Like, it was a union that God brought between Adam and Eve, and it was sinless. And so asking God to be a part of it it's, it's, it's an really powerful. Yeah, it's an important part because like you said, we can make that excuse, oh no, everybody's doing this. Like this is fine. But mm-hmm. that's an indicator that we are defiling and we are living in shame. And if we want God to rid us of shame, then we have to bring him into the midst of the shame to help us sort it out. That reminds me of a, of a story. I do some sexual integrity coaching with some guys. And there was a guy that I was working with. And when he finally put it all out there and got clean with his wife about what it was that he was struggling with, he didn't just find freedom there, but he found that his level of transparency and honesty and his ability to communicate his emotions got better across the board. I want to tell you that when you feel like you have something that you 1,000% can't tell anybody about, it locks down a part of your mind, of your spirit, of your conversation, And that impacts other areas of your life. You're like, well, wait a second, I'm holding on to this and I really don't want anybody to know about this. But when you figure out how to get transparency there, it impacts the rest of your life. You have more emotional energy. You have more mental energy. You have more spiritual energy. When you don't feel like you're holding on to something or actually being held by something. Because the devil will tell you that you can't be transparent because if you're transparent, people will find out about this and your life will be ruined. And I want to tell you that that's a lie. And we see that many times when people have something that they're hiding in counseling and coaching and the people that we work with, when that opens up, so many other things open up as well. And it's almost like you see the, the water level just rising a little bit. It's like, oh no, it's across the board. It's not just that one thing. So when we're looking at you know other things that God thinks about sexuality, I want to look at this verse in here. One of the favorite parts about this verse is about how God wants godly children. And so he says, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. Mm. So guard your heart and remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Now, do you guys know that it's pretty hard to raise godly children? Anybody feel like this is a hard task? Like, we often feel like we're failing at it. I'm like, oh, Lord, please don't let them remember that. And Lord, please let me never do that again. And, oh, guys, we've got to practice forgiveness, right? And, and so it can be a struggle. But how does godly children get produced? Well, research shows that whenever 
each of us would not have the same faith, that the chance of them being Christian, one research study I saw was 98%. If he's a different religion than I am and I'm Christian, there's a 98% chance that my kid will not follow God. Now, I don't know if that is um, replicatable, if that would mean the study would be shown again, but it was, it was a profound number that that would actually be true. And yet I do see that there's so much confusion. You know, we might be very accepting of someone having a different faith than us. Like, oh, be welcoming and accepting and then you get married and you think we're fine we're fine and then you have kids and you're like well babe, no i want my kids to believe like me and like, you want no. them to go to heaven yeah and so we want to think about these things ahead of time so that we can produce godly children but if if chuck and i aren't praying together it's going to be a lot harder to produce godly children because when we're praying together, then God shows us the things. And especially if we're praying about our sexuality, then God shows us the areas where maybe our heart begins to drift away from each other. And so that process of people having affairs and all of that, it starts in the heart and it Mm. starts and it works over time. And so if we have this practice of bringing God in then that is going to be the way that we produce godly children. It's not just that we, oh, okay, I'm going to take them to a Christian school. Oh, I'm going to take them to church on Sunday. But it is living that life of pursuit of, in pursuit of Jesus day after day in that, front of them. That really ties into guarding your heart. For sure. Be careful where your heart's going. Be careful if you linger on something a little bit too long or somebody else on someone else of the opposite sex or same sex or whatever struggle you might be having for too long. Because that's where it starts. It starts where you know it's like, I'm thinking about this person, this behavior, this thing just too much. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that all is lost because you have one thought. It means keeping yourself in check. Keeping yourself in check and questioning, where's my heart going? Yeah. And a verse that I uh, really like, this is talking about promises. And so it's, uh, we wrote in here, added in here, godly couples keep their promises even when it hurts. And so if we want to keep our promise of being faithful to each other, then we want to bring God into it. And since we know that sexual reasons are listed for a lot of reasons with divorce, we know that we want to bring God in to that promise and say, God, help me keep this promise today. And so that means that even if you've had break in trust, even if you've had, you faced abuse, or if even talking about this, you're like, oh, God's bring it on my heart that we need to have this conversation that God can help heal and restore those areas. And so it doesn't automatically mean that just because you've had some negative views of sexuality that, that there isn't hope, but God mm-hmm. will help you to keep those promises. And so um, any, anybody in here ever want to just get in your car and run away? I mean, whether it's from work or anything and you're like, oh, where's the beach? Just, just take me to the beach right now. Thank you for right? your honesty. I see you. I <laughs> yeah. see you. Thank you. I appreciate and, it. It says, oh, okay. The, the problems can seem too big, but godly individuals, they keep their promises even when it hurts. And that means that it's going to hurt sometime, right? The scripture doesn't exist because it's going to always be roses, but because we need to stay faithful even when it hurts. Do you know what it often hurts? It often hurts our pride. Mm. Keeping promises often hurts our pride because we have to admit that we messed up or I don't get to do what it is that I want to do. You ever told somebody that you were going to do something and you really wanted to back out from it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because you wanted to do what you wanted to do. Because it would be easy not to go and you could think of an excuse. Or if it's something that was uh, questionable behavior, you can make up an excuse to justify your behavior. Because, you know, we, we change our thoughts to match our behavior. We don't always match our behavior to our thoughts. Right? 
It can be easy to say that I'm going to behave this way because that's what I think. Well, we often change our thinking after we do the thing that we're ashamed of. So what is it that we're going to do? Yeah, yeah we can be on a teeter-totter between pride and shame, right? I, I, I'm better than all these other people. I'm okay. I'm not doing so bad. And then we're like, I'm horrible. There's always and, somebody worse, right? Yeah, and, te- and we can teeter and go back from pride to shame and pride to shame. And so whenever we think, well, I'm too busy. I can't keep this promise. Or you broke my trust and so I can't keep my promise, right? We're kind of being prideful. And then we'll kind of go back and forth between the, that pride and shame. But again, um, what happens... If someone decides to be unfaithful, if someone decides to, to walk in the sexual confusion and kind of follow that, that sinful path, it ends up that it starts in our heart. And so God tells us in Proverbs, don't let your heart stray. And this would be for a girl or a guy. And this verse is toward her. We're talking about a mistress or um, a prostitute or anything there. But don't wander down her wayward path. So that could be, we'll, we'll change it for this. That, you know, it's either of us. It's going to start in our heart. Don't let your hearts go, hmm, what were they wearing, right? Chuck, you use the phrase, bounce your eyes. Tells that to a lot of guys. Bounce your eyes. Don't look. There might be a lot of temptations out there, right? You have to be careful if you're on YouTube because it's calling for you. Those suggested videos, they are calling for you. And it is disgusting, the stuff that you can see just trying to watch something that's not even wrong. And so we have to be quick. We have to be guarded and we have to have a plan to bring God in because our hearts can be you know, sought after by the enemy and we have to fight not to let our hearts stray. Something I've heard Craig Rochelle say is, why fight a temptation tomorrow that you can remove today? If there's anything that you can do to get rid of things and like change your path, change your path. Get rid of it. Whatever you have to do to not be tempted by those things, that's really, really valuable. And um, un- unfortunately, Ashley and I have been around for multiple people who we've known have had affairs. And you hear the story about how things started up, and it's often something just in the heart. And it's easy to make excuses for it. And they kind of just play and get a little bit closer and a little bit closer and linger and linger. And then all of a sudden, they're close to the other person. And the other person accepts it. And it keeps on going. And it keeps on going. Yeah. It's a heart that's straying. So hopefully, all of us in here, our hearts are not tempted to stray right now. But there will be a time where something might try to knock at your door. There will be a social media. Someone will send you a message and there might be an open window. And the best way to make sure that that approach would be something that you're not ready for or that you are ready for is to make sure that your relationship with your spouse is centered on God. Because we had someone whenever we were, we were married, I don't know about how long it was. It was within the first five years, but there was a woman who, who, pursued Chuck and Chuck came home and he was like, I just want to let you know that this woman is after me or whatever. And I'm like, I said, no, whatever. And I mean, it was still upsetting for me. I was like, what's going on? Like, I can't even let him go to work and feel like it's just a safe space. Are you worried that I was doing something wrong too? It's like, you don't know. It's like, you can have all kinds of thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. But quickly I realized he waited for me and he loved me. He waited to have sex with me and he loved me. And so this first woman that comes and approaches him is not going to just grab his heart that first day because he, he fused his heart to me and he built this discipline of saying no to me when he loved me. And that equipped him to say no in those moments. And I didn't know that that was a lesson that I was learning whenever we were saying no and having a hard time at that door. Like, I just want to, I just want to snuggle. It's, it's not anything sinful, 
right? You know, it couldn't be that bad. God made us as one. I know you're my soulmate, right? We do all of these excuses to tell ourselves that it's really okay. I liked how all that sounded. <laughs> but, but it can be in our minds that we really can struggle. And so we've got to bring God into it. So we're going to skip a couple of slides here and just ask a couple of questions. But I want you to just process, are you in a positive or a negative space about sex? Yeah, so a positive space would be positive thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and a negative space would be negative thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Yeah. So as a whole with sex, would you say that you have negative thoughts, feelings? It's like, no, nah, I don't like sex. That feels bad. It's like, no, it's generally pretty good and it feels healthy. It feels good. Yeah, and so in all relationships, we go back and forth between this positive and negative space, and this is fairly normal, and so you can apply this theory, and this is actually in our book as well. It's called Switch Theory, and we unpack it in more depth. Again, we didn't have much time. We didn't plan to go into it too much tonight, but I have this theory, this idea that in most relationships, we start off in a positive space, but at some point, we have these unmet expectations, and we can drift into this negative space, and we have different ways of responding. In a positive space, we're going to act and behave, think and behave differently than we do in a negative space. So I want you to just think about it. Are you in a positive or a negative space in general? Are you in a positive or a negative space with sex? And then I want you to think, do I talk about it? Like when I get in a negative space about sex, do I talk about it? So if you're married, that would make sense to talk about it with your spouse. Mm -hmm. If you are dating or if you have never been married and you just think, oh, wow, this stuff is like, oh, it's a horrible world or I've been abused or I've had these things, then you're probably in a negative space. And if you're not talking about it, then you're not fixing that confusion and sorting that out. So I just want to encourage you to bring God into into the middle of it. So I said we'd have some discussion time. So we're going to give you about one to two minutes to discuss. And so if you are single, your, your questions are bolded. And then if you are with your spouse or if you're an individual who's here, you're married and your spouse isn't here, um, then you can talk with other people um, about, about the other questions. So the ones that are single, you know, can you identify um, one of the five reasons maybe listed that for experiencing sexual confusion? So one of them that maybe stood out to you. And so if you want to take, you just pick one of the questions and maybe mm -hmm. talk to someone around and take about a minute or so. And then we're going to um, close and turn it back over to Pastor Scott. So we've started, we're talking about keeping the marriage bed holy. Good sex doesn't start in the kitchen. Yeah, good sex starts with prayer. And we want to make sure that we keep God in the middle of our sex life. That way we keep the enemy out. And so we thank you guys for having us. Thank you for your time. And we, we've been praying over your guys' marriages Absolutely. and your relationships. And so we'd love to chat afterward if you have any questions or you want to talk. And so we do have these cards out there as well. If you guys would be interested, take a card. It, you can't buy it until August, but you can pre-order it. But if you would want to take it and use it as a bookmark and pray for the people who would read the book, because I do believe that God is really going to heal some people in their identity as they've struggled through loss and people who've been angry at God maybe they've had God's silence that's really been struggled to them that they will they will come to find God through their loss and so that's out there and then if you see the canvas if you wanted to think about how you would fill in the blank and write that on there we're going to take it to different places we're talking and we're going to have people fill it out so if you have any interest in doing that you can Praise God. Bless you all. Thank you guys for coming and investing into your marriages and 
Let's give Chuck and Ashley one more round of applause. I know they had a commitments tonight in, in their own ministries, and so we're so grateful that they came. Okay, so let's do this, and I want to pray over you guys. So I'm going to have Chuck draw one out. I have one book. If you're single or engaged, get the right one, Chuck. Don't mess it up. Okay. Maddie Holbrook. Maddie Holbrook. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Diesel smoke matters. Okay. And um, okay. And then this is for all of our married couples. So Miss Ashley, we're gonna draw two. I have two books. I got two. You got two. Okay. So the first one. We're going to do, this is an awesome book uh, by, by Trey and, and Leah Morgan. It's a daily marriage challenge. It's 60, 60 day marriage challenge. Just really cool things each day for Scott and Heather Ball. So there you go. Bless you guys. Amen. And then my next book is awesome from Trey and Leah also. This is Wisdom for Your Marriage. It's 31-day devotional through the book of Proverbs for your marriage. It's, it's phenomenal as well. And this goes to Kristen and Tommy. So here you go. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Let me pray over you all. We love you. We love this family our, and each and every one of you. So let's just pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for Pastors Chuck and Ashley and their, and their boys and their family. Thank you for their time in prayer and preparation and uh, just sharing their hearts with us, God. Thank you for the gift of marriage. Thank you for the gift of relationships. Thank you for the gift of sex. Thank you for everything about how you created us. And tonight, God, I just bless everyone here. I pray for our young adults, our singles, those who may be engaged. I just bless them as they've listened, as they've heard, that they've been equipped, God. They've been equipped these last three weeks and even beyond, God, of how to prepare themselves and what to look for in that, in that future spouse. And so we just bless them. We're so honored to have them with us. And God, uh, for every married couple that here, whether they're, whether they're six months in or whether they're 60 years past, God, thank You for healthy marriages. Thank You for leading us into building strong marriages that honor You. Help us, God, to grow in it every day. Help us, God, to keep the marriage bread pure and holy in our hearts and our lives, God. And let our marriages be a representation of what You intended them to be. Let them be a reflection of You and Your glory and Your love. And we praise You and honor You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Love you. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.